On this episode of the Team Cooper podcast, Mr. Cooper provides his contribution on a compendium of environmental bills. He addresses key topics such as environmental stewardship, the Oban deal, the Equinor oil spill, Carnival cruise ship dumping, the plastic ban, poaching of marine resources, dumping on Exuma, Exuma Pride, and Hurricane Dorian. We hope you find this informative. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I rise on behalf of Exuma and Ragged Island. And uh, today I have good news. We have no objections to these bills. Yeah. In fact, Mr. Speaker, we support any initiative that protects the environment and the resources that God has gifted us for the enjoyment and for the preservation for future generations. Mr. Speaker, I believe that after our people, our environment is our most precious resource. I always like to tell everyone who care to listen that Forbes Hill Little Exuma it's perhaps the most magnificent place on earth. And the island of Exuma has the most beautiful beaches and waters in the Commonwealth of the Bahamas. Second only And perhaps in the world. There is no coincidence. There's no coincidence that Exuma is home and playground to perhaps more billionaires per capita than anywhere else in the world. There is no direct, no direct correlation. In fact, there is a direct correlation between the success of the Exomas. There's a direct correlation between our way of life in the Exomas and its pristine environment. There is a direct link between our environment and the ability for Mushaki Resorts for example, to have a rack rate of $57,000 per night. There is a connection between our success and our environment. So when we say that we have limited natural resources, we must reflect on what we do have and the need for its protection. The Jumento Keys of Ragged <coughs> Islands, of which Ragged Island is a part, is beautiful as well. It's no competition, Mr. Speaker, but indeed all of our country has a God-given beauty that we must protect. Yes. Mr. Speaker, I always urge visits to Exuma. I urge visits to Ragged Island. Exuma is renowned, but Ragged Island is a rare beauty. Sharks, nurse sharks swim in shallow waters and they cuddle with your feet. The miles of salt ponds, Mr. Speaker. It really, it really is something to see. It's a rare and magnificent simplicity, Mr. Speaker. And you could get carried away with this tranquility when you're there. And you could almost forget, Mr. Speaker, that there's still no school. 
Still no planet. Still no police station. Oh yeah, just speak for your people. Speak for your people. But then we snap back into reality. Mr. Speaker. In regard to this legislation, we do support it. So I won't spend a lot of time talking about the pros and the cons of these bills as the member for South Andres has detailed our position very clearly, Mr. Speaker. But I'd like to talk a little bit about the importance of our environmental stewardship as a country. There is sometimes a trade-off between <coughs> development, job creation, and preservation of the environment. A PLP government will always seek harmony between these noble objectives. It does seem to me, though, that sometimes this administration, with the Oban deal, for example, sometimes put the cart before the horse where there could be serious environmental issues. <coughs> in light of what's happened now at South Riding Point in Grand Bahama, the caveats and penalties put in the heads of agreement with Oban seem to be woefully inadequate, as we pointed out at the time. The people now in East Grand Bahama, Mr. Speaker, face significant fallout from the Equinor oil spill without any serious protection being in place before. Equinor tells us that there is no more oil on the ground at the facility. But we, Mr. Speaker, we must trust the word of Equinor, shall we? I'm not aware of anyone from the government side who is monitoring actively or very closely what Equinor is doing or has done, because we have received no detailed report in relation to this most horroring incident. I'm not aware of any environmental agency, government or otherwise, verifies it, verifying this company's claims. Equinor says it collected just over 58,000 barrels of oil from the area, but who is verifying it? Equinor says it drilled more than 20 ground wells in the area and have detected no chemicals in the groundwater, but who has checked it independently? Can we say, independent of Equinor, that all is well and all is okay in East Grand Bahama? Equinor is a corporation whose revenues dwarf that of the Bahamas government. I am advised that it's collected some $24 billion in revenues in 2018 alone. I sincerely hope, Mr. Speaker, that someone is having a conversation with Equinor compensation. about compensation due to government and the people of the Bahamas and the people of East Grand Bahama as a result of this incident. Perhaps we should have this tested and monitored on our behalf by an expert international independent firm with experience and expertise in these matters, Mr. Speaker. I often find that we are perhaps too reactive as a country, True. particularly with this administration, Mr. Speaker. The government learns of the Carnival cruise ship dumping in our beautiful waters nearly half a million gallons of sewage black water dumped in our pristine sea. And we learn about it through a US court. 
A U.S. court fines the cruise line $40 million. They settle, I believe, for $20 million. And I assume that goes to the U.S. Treasury. <coughs> what do we got in the Bahamas? Dirty water. <laughs> what is quite ironic from a tourism partner that brings its guests to the Bahamas to enjoy the beauty of our waters is that they chose to dump dirty, blackened water into our environment where they bring their guests and our guests to enjoy the pristine environment of our country. Very sad indeed. And therefore, I wait to hear from the government what it's doing in relation to this matter, Mr. Speaker, for compensation to be made to the Bahamas in this regard. Mr. Speaker, our environment is sacred. It's the envy of the world. We must protect it. We must guard it jealously. And we must do so on behalf of future generations. I'm happy to see, Mr. Speaker, that there are some elements in these bills that will seek to address these types of issues. In relation to plastics, Mr. Speaker, we support the bill, but I do believe the implementation time is too short. January 1st, 2020 is right around the corner. <coughs> I think a six month window for public education and to allow people to deplete the stock they have already uh, that their purchase might be in order. In order for this work, there must be buy-in from the public. And I know that the minister is traveling around the Bahamas, and when he comes to Exuma, we will support him in this public education initiative, as he supported our Exuma Pride initiative. But there needs to be more public education. The public should know how this impact our land and sea and our health. <coughs> Otherwise, they will not be buying, and people will flout the law. This will impact small businesses and small business owners alike, and therefore, the transition time must be look at, looked at seriously. And I ask the government, therefore, to be compassionate in bringing these bills into force. Yes, pass them, but be compassionate in the transition. But and the soon-to-be increase in power bills, if the government has its way, will bring more severe burden on small businesses in our country. And therefore, we must be mindful of the impact of any bill that comes into force, into, that becomes law, that impact small business owners in our country, Mr. Speaker. A few months ago, when these bills were laid, I made representation on behalf of a small business owner from Black Point Exuma who hires up to 12 persons in her plastics business. She needs more transition time to adjust her product line, to retain all 12 of her employees, yes. and to continue to secure a bottom line that allows her to make a living. And I renew that call today on behalf of the entrepreneur, Mr. Speaker. 
Then there is time to set up the framework, time to set up the personnel <coughs> for these uh, enabling structures to ensure compliance, to ensure that we have the framework in place to, to monitor and enforce legislation that we bring into force. Mr. Speaker, like many of my colleagues, I have experienced the soggy paper straws, Mr. Speaker. And this will take some getting used to for the Bahamian people. But we understand the significance of this move. And hopefully, some entrepreneur will innovate and find a good solution to this most soggy issue, Mr. Speaker. In relation to the poaching of our marine resources, I can tell you that this is sucking the lifeblood out of many fishermen. And the word now is that poachers are feeling emboldened. They're coming further up the chain of the Bahamas because they realize that our resources are perhaps stretched in dealing with Abaco and Grand Bahama. This is of grave concern, Mr. Speaker. The poachers, they rape and pillage our waters, impacting our reefs and fish and conch and crawfish stocks without any regard for the future of our country. They threaten our fishermen and steal our Bahamian traps. Bahamian fishermen who venture to <coughs> obey the laws of our country. Not the other day, yeah. They take undersized conch and grouper and crawfish out of our waters. Mm -hmm. While we in the Bahamas seek to conserve, conserve our marine resources, they only seek to get as much as they can, as fast as they can. And I urge the government and the Ministry of National Security to do as much as they can with the use of the technology available, with the use of drone technology, with the use of the, the equipment of the Royal Bahamas Defense Force, with the use of fishery officers across our Bahamas to do more to protect our resources, not just for the fishing industry, but for future generations. I read today about poachers being fined $3,000 <coughs> who had taken thousands of pounds of fish caught illegally in our waters. It was with some dismay. And I would suggest that we seek to strengthen these laws to include stiffer fines and to include more jail time, jail time for poachers who come to our country, who fish indiscriminately, who broach or breach our borders and recklessly take and take and take. It's most distressing. If we jail them, the message <coughs> would go back and they would be less likely to return. And that is what we must do. In relation to dumping on Exuma, Mr. Speaker, you heard me talk of the pristine beauty, but this sailing capital and this boating mecca is not without its environmental challenges. 
As it stands, we have a vexing problem with boaters who indiscriminately pump their sewer into the world-renowned Elizabeth Harbor. And I've spoken with the member for Long, Long Island, who is the executive chairman for the Water and Sewage Corporation in this matter. And he's agreed to work along with me. There's a sewage collection and treatment facility near the naval base near Georgetown that needs to be reactivated. Long Island has agreed a visit to Exoma, and I look forward to welcoming him and his team. I'm also hoping to have the fish fry tied into the pumping station to avoid other environmental health concerns that may be on the horizon. Further, Mr. Speaker, at the fish fry, we have derelict barges that have been abandoned for quite some time. And I ask the Ministry and the Minister of Transport, the Minister of the Environment, to look into these issues. And I ask that we enforce the environmental laws that we have on the books already to ensure that whoever left those barges there and anywhere else across our country, yes. they be brought to justice and they suffer appropriate penalties. Again, there's no sense making laws if we're not prepared to enforce them. Mr. Speaker, I congratulate the Bahamas National Trust for its work, its work. I thank them for their continued presence in Exuma and the outposts in the Exuma land and Sea Park. We congratulate Brief, we congratulate the Exuma Foundation and many other nonprofit entities who made it their solemn mission to support and protect our environment. For my part, I'm seeking to coalesce Exuma residents to support our Exuma Pride initiative that we have started a year ago where I've donated my parliamentary salary. I thank the many volunteers, including Reginald Smith, <coughs> Sheila Moss, Cleo Turnquest, Dawn Rowe, Kendall McPhee, and countless other Exumian residents like Catherine Booker, who give of their time. In addition to education and awareness beginning <coughs> in our schools, the Exuma Pride Initiative, with support of the community and support of our donors, we are working to make tangible improvements to the aesthetics of Exuma, including manicuring our curbsides, securing beach accesses with the support of the appropriate authorities, removing derelict vehicles, again, with the support of the appropriate authorities, implementing and installing restroom on busy public beaches, <coughs> including the world-renowned Tropic of Cancer Beach in Little Exoma, and the creation of parks and playgrounds, and the preservation and rest restoration of Lake Victoria, the reopening of Chimpon, and many other projects to come. This is what we're doing in our Exuma Pride 
initiative. We get no support from Beaches and Parks Authority. We get very little support from the Ministry of the Environment. But I am confident that better days are ahead. And we will, in the future, receive more support from the government on these issues <coughs> and more money. I have often said in this place that local government who try very hard to manage our island is woefully underfunded. Yes. And we need more funding for local government. They try their best. Yes. We need more funding for the family islands in general. Yes from the Ministry of the Environment to ensure that we maintain the environments of our most pristine family islands. The management of the existing docks in Georgetown, Mr. Speaker, needs more attention. <clears throat> and the ultimate relocation is key to the sustainable transformation of our town center and the creation, the renewing of the town of Georgetown into a very eco-friendly heritage historic town on our beloved island. Mr. Speaker, Hurricane Dorian has changed the environmental paradigm in our country. The struggles of the aftermath raise many questions and opportunities as to how we develop our country. From the troubling issues of climate change to addressing the issues head on with the international community and doing all we can locally to give our support to this most best vexing <clears throat> global crisis. From adjusting our own practices, including the elimination of the use of bunker sea fuel at BPL, and we will have occasion to discuss BPL, no doubt, very soon, to how we collect our garbage, to how we manage our waste. From how and where we build airports, to how we engage and monitor and oversee our partners, our partners like the Grand Bahama Port Authority, our partners like Hutchinson, our partners like Carnival. How we manage these relationships to create a win-win proposition for our country and for the Bahamian people how we create climate-resilient buildings and communities, how we create responsible and sustainable development as we create jobs and we create opportunities, how we at the same time preserve our gifted environmental heritage to our future generations. So I say as we contemplate these new environmental laws, we trust that even in this very 
early stage of their imminent passing, that we review them in the context of the aftermath of Hurricane Dorian. And may the lessons of this most significant natural disaster in our history <coughs> not be wasted. Mr. Speaker, I am most grateful to speak on behalf of the resilient people of the Exomas and the forgotten people of Ragadon. Thank you very much. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to subscribe and share with anyone you know.